Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join special guest Rocky Russell as he teaches from the Word of God. It is a great day in the Lord. God bless you. 2020 is off to a good start. Do you agree? I I really do believe this is a year of change. And I, you know, I will confess that over the years, I've heard people get up at the beginning of the year and say something big, something profound about the year. But I'll just say for my own self and in my own life, what I've heard from the Lord and what he's speaking into my heart, I really believe something big is on the way. And, And I want to get on board with it. Do you? Do you want to get on board with what the Lord has for us? I know he wants to move here. It's good to be back with my River of Life family. God bless you. I know I'm family because uh, I introduce myself each time. So uh, that, that means you're family. That you just get to walk up on stage. But I want to start with the most important thing I could possibly do. I know it's the most important because you tell me it's the most important thing. I want to introduce my wife. Uh, she's in the back, Cindy. Just wave at everybody. She's, yeah, there we go. I brought my wife with me this weekend, and so we're here with you. Uh, and I hope you'll just take a moment to, to enjoy that she's here with me because everybody says half of you is missing whenever you come without her. I'm going to uh, give you a, uh, bring to you a faith-building message today. Uh, that is the goal that I have. And I have to say, it's the most set up I've been in a long time, uh, the songs that Priscilla and the team brought this morning. They have challenged our faith. They, they've, they've encouraged us to, to go further with God. I, I hope you felt that theme as we were going through the songs this morning. And the worship was nothing less than stunning. I just want to say that. Thank you to those who lead in worship. And can we just give them a hand this morning? I also want to thank Pastor Henry for the opportunity to preach today. It's, it's humbling to be here with you. Uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of history on this uh, passage of Scripture, not a deep history, and there are probably scholars among us who could take us much deeper, but I'm going to be in Habakkuk uh, today, uh, chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. Habakkuk, chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. The prophet, the prophet Habakkuk in chapter 1 is complaining to God. He is a... Uh, for lack of a better term, a worship leader in the temple. He has gone to God to complain because he sees God's silence in the face of corruption and wickedness among his own people. And God responds to his questions by saying that I've seen it. God says, I see the corruption. And he says, I'm going to allow Babylon, the Chaldeans, to come and discipline my unruly children. Habakkuk responds with shocked outrage. What is going on here? God says he's going to allow the Babylonians to come and discipline these people, and he cannot believe that he would use people who are even more wicked than these people, than his own people. And God responds that he is aware of the wickedness of Babylon and that he will judge Babylon for its wickedness and they will face his wrath. 
Habakkuk then trembles before the power of God. He recognizes the awesomeness of God's power and his might. And in the final movement of this third chapter, the last chapter of the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk accepts the decision of God and chooses to trust God and his plan. So let's read Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. They should be on the screen as well. Verse 16 says, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Verse 17, though the fig tree should not blossom nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Can we pray again this morning for just a moment? Father, we come to you so grateful for your word today. My request is that you use me as a secretary to write down the words that you have for us on the hearts of the people. And that your Holy Spirit be the honored presence among us today. We, we turn our hearts towards heaven as we receive your word. And we take it seriously and, and we do it with clear minds. We're not doing this because we've been duped, tricked, deluded. God, we're here because this makes sense. This is how you put the world into motion. This is what makes sense. And so we honor you today and we say thank you. In the name of Jesus the Christ, amen. Amen. So when I first typed my notes on this scripture, I got to verse 17 where it says, "Yet uh, yet I will rejoice, but I left out the space between yet and I. And I said, you know, that looks like those overpriced coolers they sell. <laughs> the yet I coolers. <laughs> and, and I thought about that and I said, you know, those yet I coolers, those are, uh, I'm going to go see how much those things cost. $400 for a yet I cooler. Now, don't try to correct me because I didn't spend $400 on an ice box. <laughs> I went down to, we have Dick's Sporting Goods up in Virginia. Uh, you may have one here, but attached to Dick's Sporting Goods is a store called Field and Stream. That's where you go to buy the Yeti coolers. They have an entire showroom dedicated to nothing but different types of Yeti coolers. They have a man who sells these coolers on commission, like used cars. And I went in there and just let this guy kind of chat me up, you know, and I said, you know, I've done the math on this. The man you've left out of your equation is the ice man. You're selling a $400 cooler. I could buy a bag of ice and surround it with more ice, and I would still come out with one bag of ice And I'd have about $350 and some change left over. So 
like I do when I come into town. Uh, this morning I drove out to uh, Walmart because uh, I, that's where you take the cultural temperature uh, of a town. And so... <laughs> And I saw five Yeti coolers in the back of pickup trucks. And, and, and I'm just going to tell you, it's one of those purchases that people feel like they have to start explaining after you, they drop the tailgate of their truck and, and they immediately they have to tell you why they needed this $400 cooler. I needed that cooler because I need my ice to stay cold for 23 days. <laughs> and and it, it always ends with the same thing. The salesman at the store said the same thing. 23 days, you know the rest, if you don't open the lid. <laughs> but I want to open the lid. Well, I'm going to get off of that, but, but I, I know how it's pronounced, but I, I have successfully burned this in your mind now. Every time you see one of those overpriced coolers, you'll think, yet I will rejoice. We, we have hijacked their marketing. Praise God. So now, now you can feel a lot better about buying that $400 cooler. And you should be a tither if you're buying $400 cooler. I just want to... <clears throat> so this, this, let's get back to the Lord. This is a powerful, powerful verse. And it's not just because it's beautiful. And can I tell you, Habakkuk is a beautiful beautiful passage of scripture it's it is psalmic in nature it is written like the psalms it is it's poetic it's it's got questions and answers it is it's all over the place as far as the the type of uh, a book it is in the old testament uh, you'll even find the word selah in there just like a, a psalm and so this is music that there are instructions to the musicians at the end of this passage of scripture but it's not merely powerful because it's beautifully written it's powerful because of what it reveals about God and his nature and how much Habakkuk trusted in him and so I want to open with this today it is possible to trust in God when you are afraid it is possible to trust in God when you are afraid we see Habakkuk acknowledge God's plan and his might and his power have shaken Habakkuk to the core. And in verse 16, he says, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver. Rottenness enters into my bones. He's, he's reaching for some kind of metaphor to explain how awesome the power of God is. My legs tremble beneath me, yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. Habakkuk was all, was all shook up. He's all shook up at this. And, and really that's an understatement because he was overwhelmed by what he heard. His body trembles before the awesome power of God. And, and he sees the reality of the suffering that is on the way. He says, my body trembles, my lips quiver, my legs underneath me shake. Rotten has, has come into my bones. And this is an exceptional situation, to be sure. 
I know we feel overwhelmed at times and, and, and the cares of life come upon us in our, in our family, in our nation. We see these things going on. Here is the same kind of thing going on in the Old Testament. It's an exceptional situation, but even so, he sees God clothed in power and in majesty and glory. And let me tell you something, when you see that, you can't help but tremble. When I was a youth pastor, the kids used to say, and I was a youth pastor here, by the way, uh, for a little while, and uh, one of the things the kids used to say, I can't wait to get to heaven. I'm going to ask God some kind of question or something, you know. And I always laughed at that because uh, I, I read the book of Isaiah, and I read where it says the train of his robe fills the temple. I've read where it says that uh, the, the creatures and the cherubim and uh, seraphim, they're, they're, they're circling the throne and saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Uh, of, the, uh, of fire and thunder and smoke and the power and presence of God and even what Habakkuk has written it, and the great white throne judgment. Just take every amazing thing about God and imagine him sitting down and saying, well, is there any questions? <laughs> I'm sure he wants us to know more. But Habakkuk is describing that part of God. The reverence that we must have as we approach a holy God. And sometimes we tremble before his very plan that he has for us. Even though we know and we trust that the road that we're walking on leads to salvation. At some point we fear what that road looks like. Man, I'd love to get saved, but I don't know what they're going to say to me when I go down to that altar. I would love to trust Jesus with everything, but what am I going to have to give up? I would love to give him my all, but I don't know what my all means. They might take everything. He might take everything. The answer to that is, yeah, he will. He will require everything. But we've got to trust that his plan is better than anything we can think or imagine. One of the prayers that I used to come up and pray uh, when we would talk about uh, it would be graduation time and have the graduates come up and we'd offer a blessing and a prayer. And, and I would always pray that all your dreams and all your plans and everything that you've got in your mind for a great future would be withered into nothingness that you might see and know the power and presence of a God and what he has for your life. God, take what I've got planned and send that to the side. Let's go with your plan. I will quietly wait on you. Church, it is possible to trust in God when you are scared, to tremble but say hallelujah. It is possible to fear but to worship. It is possible to know that the reality of what is happening is beyond your own meager human capacity to deal with it, but simultaneously believe that God is the God of the universe and He is in control. It is possible for those things to be happening at the same time. And it's okay to be shook up, but don't give up. It's okay to be shook up, but don't give up. Tremble with Habakkuk, but also trust with Habakkuk. It's also possible to have joy when things look hopeless. Habakkuk keeps talking. He says, though the fig tree should not blossom. You know what? Can I change something back there? 
let's go to the next slide after that. Now, if we were, I, I am by no means a Hebrew scholar, but I, I'm going to do the best I can. The circular preaching and teaching uh, of the rabbis would have us kind of go round in circles with this passage of Scripture. So I would like us to memorize the first four words up there, yet I will rejoice. Can we say it together? Yet I will rejoice. Now, will you go back one slide? Respond with that. Though the fig tree should not blossom, yet I will rejoice. Nor fruit be on the vines, yet I will rejoice. The produce of the olive fail, yet I will rejoice. And the fields yield no food, yet I will rejoice. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Amen? Amen. Yet I will rejoice. Yet I will rejoice. I'm just going to imagine for a moment that while we were reading that, you thought to yourself, well, I don't have fig trees and I don't have flocks, but I got a bank account. I don't have fig trees and I don't have flocks and I don't have olives, but I got lost children that need to come and know the Lord. I don't have fig trees and I don't have flocks, but I got a crazy boss man, yet I will rejoice. Amen? And when your kids are acting crazy, yet I will rejoice. And your marriage is all broken and upside down, yet I will rejoice. Amen? He's that good. He is that good, church. Amen? So Habakkuk's description of of all the woe that's coming on the land would make anybody who spent any time uh, farming uh, crazy. I mean, everything he's talking about is based on an, uh, an agricultural society. And we don't live like that anymore because we go down to Winn-Dixie and pick up some groceries or go up to Publix or do whatever you do to get your groceries. So you are insulated from the problems of the fig trees and the olives and the flocks. But this is a people who were not insulated from those issues. The picture of a fig tree not blossoming or vines not producing fruit or olive crops failing and animals dying or being stillborn, these things would chill the hearts of people who lived in a farming society. I grew up on a farm, and I bet some folks in here did too. And let me tell you something. When it doesn't rain for a long time, it'll cut you. When, a, when the one pig is stillborn and you needed that pig, you've got a problem. And if we go back further in time, just 150 years, it gets even worse. Now go far back in time uh, to about 650 B.C., 600 B.C., Think how desperate the situation would be. I want to tell you something. I went to the gas station a couple weeks ago, and they didn't have the candy bar I wanted, and I about got upset. (laughs) Now, (laughs) what if they don't have gas? What if the electricity was cut and the food trucks don't get to the grocery store for six weeks? What if there's no communication to even find out what it is that's going on? 
The paper doesn't come out. The internet won't load. It's daytime, but it's dark. That's what they're up against. But the word yet in verse 18 brings us back to the Lord. Even though all these things happen, Habakkuk will dare not only to trust, but to rejoice. Amen. He says, I will rejoice. Verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Again, by no means a Hebrew scholar, but what I have found is that the words rejoice and take joy back to back like that, they have this uh, way of, of bringing out that this is the strongest possible way to say that one is determined to rejoice in the Lord regardless of what does or does not happen. And and this makes sense because it takes a deliberate step of faith and resolve to behave counterintuitively and counterculturally. It takes a deliberate step of faith to rejoice. You don't stumble into your rejoicing. You don't ease into your worship. You come with your deliberate step of faith to rejoice. So all of this is is compounded by what Habakkuk is saying. And he's teaching us it's possible to have faith and joy in the midst of fear and things that appear hopeless. What does this mean? Church, I've seen people at a funeral rejoicing because they, they take faith. They are deliberately operating in their faith because they believe that God is who he says he is and he is doing what he says he will do. They see God operating and they are practicing their faith with him. Joy is the bedrock of the people of faith. Happiness comes and goes. I want to be transparent in front of you for just a moment. I dealt with a little bit of anxiety in about the middle of 2019 And I went to see a counselor for a couple of sessions to figure out where the source of this was. And he had me start writing down my emotions. And I know having an emotion journal does not line up with the the alpha male uh, image that you see before you. Uh, But I kept an emotion journal. This Christian counselor said, "Take, take, be aware of your, of your really strong negative emotions, your really strong positive emotions. I was like, well, I'm not, I'm not worried about positive emotions. I would love to be happy. He said, but that's part of your problem. You trust the extremes and the lies that they tell you. It's just me. I'll come over here and preach to me for a minute. It's just, <laughs> that's what I get for being transparent. It's, uh... And what I found out after I... St- it didn't take me but a couple of pages. I hate journaling anyway, so I want to quit that. I said, I better learn this lesson. I don't want to keep doing this. And I wrote down a few things. I started to realize that when I was really down, it was just as bad of information as when I was really excited, really happy. Now, it's not wrong to be happy. The point that I learned and what I took away from this is, is that joy is the bedrock of our faith. And I'm full of joy because I'm full of Jesus, amen? 
And so if something is causing that to swing back and forth, then there's the, the enemy's voice is getting too much to, to, out in front. I see a lot of heads shaking, so I'm going to take that as an amen. I was raised hyper-Pentecostal. Y'all can shout me down if you need to. I mean, come on. If you've got a rag or something you want to wave at me, I mean, just... <laughs> come on. If you're getting it, say so. Hey. All right. All right. So, so how, how is all this possible? How can you have joy in the midst of pain? Maybe we should just agree for, uh, with it and fight for it. We sang a song, and Priscilla stopped for a moment and drew out some of the truth of that song. Uh, but it said, God, you're in the waiting, I believe is the lyric. That is no fun. God, you're in the waiting. We're just worshiping. God, you're in the waiting. Mm-hmm. But nobody says that uh, when you're waiting. <laughs> but he is in the waiting. He is there. We're the ones that move. He's the one uh, that is the rock of ages. So it's possible to live out God's ultimate victory in what appears to be defeat. And I'm, I'm coming to the end. Can I ask for the, the music or whatever's going to happen here? Okay. Well, that really wasn't funny, but you can laugh. I mean. <laughs> the prophet ends with an amazing Note, in the midst of all that is happening and about to happen, Habakkuk proclaims that he has ultimate victory in the Lord God. He says God will see him through in the day of trouble. Verse 19, it says, God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's and he makes me tread on my high places. And what a beautiful uh, uh, contrast to verse 17. Uh, He says, Uh, The prophet is prepared for the flock to be cut off from the fold. He is prepared for there to be no herd in the stalls because God, the Lord, is my strength. In a day of death and destruction, Habakkuk sees life and victory. Life and victory. We can have a joyful heart in the midst of troubles. A joyful heart. It's like the father in Mark 9, 24. He says, I believe, help thou my unbelief what a prayer but it may be the prayer that we need to pray today that may be for you i believe help thou my unbelief and that's okay because even so even so don't give up even so don't despair even so don't lose faith our great god hears you and sees you and he is coming he is coming our our god reigns and he will not be overcome our god is not sleeping he is here at our river of life home he is here among us he is here with us he is here in the person of his son jesus christ he is here in the person of his holy spirit he is here and he will save his people amen Amen. will you will you bow your heads with me for just a moment and i'm going to wrap this up but while your heads are bowed and and these guys begin to play softly i'm going to read something to you i did not write this but i will read it to you it came from a, a book written by a pastor back in the late 50s or early 60s from a book called the joy of understanding yourself and it was 
the beginning of people starting to come around to the idea that they needed to take care of their emotional health to be spiritually healthy. And he wrote this small subsection of a chapter called Honest Confession. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it's, it's kind of tough. It's kind of tough. But I'm telling you that in advance. The pastor said, let your confession be utterly ruthlessly honest a young woman told me that she and her husband had been so beset with financial troubles that they were half out of their minds with worry creditors called and came to the door in a steady stream there were threats of lawsuits she had prayed for a solution but no answer had come one night she went out and walked for miles alone And finally she said, God, I hate you. I've asked for your help and you didn't give it. I hate you. And now the pastor says that this was an honest confession, a genuine prayer. And God knew how she felt before she told him. And what she did in that moment was to admit to herself and to her God what she had never admitted before. And her tirade against God lasted for some time and finally emotionally exhausted she returned home. She gave up praying for a miraculous deluge of money that would solve their problems. Instead, she said, God, if you want something done, you'll have to do it. I give up. This was a real prayer. A prayer of abandonment. No one would say it's the highest form of prayer, but it's very honest and it had merit in abandoning the struggle that she had and for the first time turned it over completely to God she had given up her childish prayer for a quick easy miracle and faced her true feelings weak and human though it was it was an honest prayer and honesty with self and with God is the starting point it is the absolutely essential first step it will not be honest with if we won't be honest with ourselves how can we be honest with God and if we cannot be honest with him about our true feelings how can he help us within a week she had a sudden inspiration and with her husband she knew it was guidance and she provi- it provided temporary relief and in a matter of months the entire problem was solved but more importantly she and her husband grew spiritually in the process Now, I don't want to overstate Habakkuk's position before God, but you'll be hard-pressed to find any place in the Bible where someone looked at God and questioned God with with the energy that Habakkuk did. His questions were prophetic, and it led us to this wonderful passage in chapter three. But let me tell you something. Habakkuk had big questions for God, and they came out of an honest heart and a desire to know him more. Do you want to know him more? Do you want to know him? Do you want to know him as your savior? Do you want Jesus Christ to have total control of your life? I hope the answer is yes. I hope the answer is yes and maybe maybe it's yes for the first time. And if it is yes for the first time, then you need to have a born again experience with God and surrender your life to him. Is that you today? Is that you? You say I just I just need to trust everything, good and bad, every experience of my life and my eternal 
hope. I need to trust all of that to God, and I would like to do that today. If that's you, and I'm going to ask you to do something really bold, would you step out from where you are and join me down front? Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.